to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to COVID, business continuity, resilience, well-being, anything that can help you, your organization, or community plan for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Uh, One quick announcement, I will be speaking at the Continuity Insights Conference, April 25th to 27th in Louisville, Kentucky. Fingers crossed, it'll be an in-person event, but I've been burned on that one in the last year and a half a a few times. So, um, But I really hope I can uh, see everybody at Continuity Insights and uh, uh, meet some of you. Uh, It's that time again for our regular talk with Regina Phelps. Regina Please tell me you have great news this month. <laughs> Alex, you know, I just feel like a broken record some days. Uh, I don't have any. Well, let's see. I do have a little bit of good news, but it's probably in a twisted way. But yes, um, I'll certainly make it sound good. How's that? Okay, that's, uh, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> oh, and by the way, just so you know, this is the, the last episode I'm recording, recording to air in 2021. So you, Woo-hoo, I'm feeling privileged here. <laughs> I have other episodes to record, but they're not airing until 2022 somewhere. But so you are the last one to air this year. You get that honor for 2020. Wow, I'm feeling, I'm feeling <clears throat> it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> the pressure's on. <laughs> well, let's talk about COVID. Uh, where are we now? What's going oh on? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! We have so many things we want to cover today, and I know we talked about. Uh, we're going to do our usual kind of check-in about where we are in the world. We're going to talk about Omicron, which our, everybody is still wondering how to really pronounce. Uh, we'll talk about boosters, and then we want to talk about kids. So uh, where we are in the world, it kind of really, as usual, depends on where you are. So last time we spoke, Europe was really beginning to heat up, and it is continuing to be a major issue, both uh, throughout Europe, Germany, uh, France, um, Many parts of the, the northern part, you know, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, all those places that many people said, oh, my gosh, you know, they have they have figured this out and they're really having a surge. And this is prior to really an invasion of the Omicron virus. So Europe is remaining a mess. Uh, Russia in particular still has a huge number of cases and a big increase in deaths. They're actually on a 28 day rolling average. They have more deaths than the United States and no one claims that <laughs> that victory prize on a monthly basis. Uh, so I think what I would say to you is it's pro- really problematic here in the United States, your southern neighbor, many of the states that butt right up against Canada are just on fire. So all of New England. Uh, so if you sort of start at Maine and you cruise all the way along Michigan, Wisconsin, it is really a problem. And so we're also seeing this very northern eastern um, flame up in the United States, but it's also moving down through the center part of the country. So Nebraska, Kansas, all the way down into New Mexico. And I'm starting to see in the last couple of days, Texas really beginning to have more cases. One of the things I would say to you, though, is that I think as, we, as more people get vaccinated, cases are always a really big indicator to look at, but you really want to be focused on hospitalizations. So here in the United States, sadly, uh, we're already starting to see our post-Thanksgiving peak or rise in cases in hospitalizations. And that's been over the last few days. So our Thanksgiving was roughly about 10 days ago or so, something like that. And so essentially now we're starting to see this rise in cases. So we're kind of a mess here in the United States, just in a different part. Uh, Europe is not doing so well. Africa is starting to light out with uh, light up with Omicron. Um, and Asia currently seems quiet. Um, but what about you? In Canada, 
Well, we seem to be heading in the wrong direction right mm. now. Um, we are, I, I think I had mentioned before, our Thanksgiving is early December, uh, sorry, early October, uh, first week-ish or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, shortly thereafter, we started to see an uptick. But then as that uptick was starting to occur, the borders were open again. Mm, yeah. So now... Your neighbor, we our neighbor. Our, yeah, our neighbor, but it was going both ways. You know, let, mm. let's, let's be honest. We were, we were coming down to the U.S. as well. But we were also opening up more to European travel and mm. uh, you know, the globe, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing an uptick. And overall, in Canada, our, our deaths are just below 30,000 now. Uh, cases have been 1.8 million plus. Mm-hmm. Um, vaccines, the first dose, we, we have over 80% of our people um, vaccinated. You're a rock star. Uh, second dose is over 76%. Wow. And <clears throat> we're going to talk about boosters later, so I'll, I'll get to that piece uh, later. In Ontario here... We're starting to see uh, we've had multiple days in a row of over a thousand cases now when we were down to, uh, you know, 200 to 300, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So we're really seeing an up, uptick. And just before I came here, I caught the tail end of a report on CBC News um, that I had playing in the background before I turned it off that said potentially in January, which is not that far away, mm-hmm. Ontario could be hitting 3,000 cases uh, a, a day at the rate that we're going now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know I've got some other numbers, but I'm going to talk about those when we get to uh, some of the other sections here. Um, but a, a couple of other things that have cropped up that I've noticed is uh, the surgical backlog uh, mm-hmm. for you know, elective surgeries. Mm-hmm. People are now getting concerned because what at one time may have been not a priority, mm-hmm. well, just it's been snow plowing. And mm-hmm. now uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people that didn't need their surgeries do mm-hmm. need their surgeries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of other things that, about the world, I don't know if, you, uh, I'm, I'm sure you know this. Uh, Germany is suggesting restricting travel over the holidays again. Right, right. They've closed all their Christmas markets. They pretty much yeah. shut down. And that's a huge Christmas country. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, and other places are starting to uh, look at mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the floating Petri dishes called cruise ships, uh, yes, a Norwegian, Norwegian cruise ship uh, approaching New Orleans. Well, it's, it's there now. When I saw this the other day, um, ten people had been uh, uh, identified as being COVID positive, and they had stopped in Belize, Honduras, Mexico, um, you know, and now New Orleans. So who knows what's going to happen? I can uh, tell you how many people were infected when they actually uh, disembarked. It went yeah. from ten to seventeen, and two of them had the Omicron virus. Yeah. So, you know, and I, they were, I, you know, emptied out into the streets of New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, so, that's how it works. So. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen there? You know, um, uh, in Ontario, we've also cut back on any uh, reopening initiatives. Everything's on hold. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. nothing new is happening. Um, I've got a feeling if, if things keep going in the direction they're going, they're going to start cutting back on these restrictions. You know, maybe, right. I don't know about a full lockdown. I don't think anyone wants to go there, but. Uh, you know, going back to, you know, restaurants can't be full anymore, even if you can prove you're vaccinated, going mm-hmm. back to, you know, half, half staff, half capacity, you mm-hmm. know, all those kind of things. So that's where things are happening here. It's not, uh, it's not rosy right now. Yeah, it. yeah. I was actually just reading uh, Bloomberg News this morning, and they were talking about uh, the, the mayor of Rio and Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, uh, had just canceled all of the holiday events, which is quite a big deal down there because, of course, it's summer, it's lovely, and they usually get quite a big tourist boom. And they were canceling all of the the uh, planned events in that country, even though their case numbers have not really started to go up much yet. But they're, they're forward thinking, again, planning that, you know, 25 days from now, it could be really bad. And so, again, the super spreader events, I think, are what a lot of countries are trying to avoid. Because yeah. we have this new variant that sadly was um, announced on the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. And uh, my phone started ringing about noon on <laughs> on that day. So, oh, God. <laughs> That's and that is the uh, as I like to call it, the transformer um, variant. Right. <laughs> Right. That's right. What I couldn't help but think every time I hear it, I, I think of Transformers, you know, Optimus Prime and everything. So. 
every time I hear it. But I do know Omicron is the 15th letter of in the Greek alphabet. Right. And that, good. Is, that in itself is scary. That means there are 15 other variants out there. We Actually, no, they skipped, they skipped new <laughs> and they skipped Shea because new would be confusing if you said it's the new, new variant. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That would be. And then the Shea, which is, uh, if you pronounce it uh, as you would in, in Chinese, uh, is the prime minister of China. So the oh. who decided to skip those two for two words. So we're, we have out of the word number 15, but we did skip two. It, then it's still scary <laughs> because that's 13 variants. But we, we are familiar with the original COVID and uh, the fourth one, Delta variant. Mm -hmm. This is the 13th. Right, right. So, um, what do we know, or you know, <laughs> I guess what do don't we know about it right now? Well, let me just show some slides here because it's easier to talk through this stuff if I actually do. Because I just want to do a really quick dive here. Um, just make sure that you can see those. Yeah. So, um, Omicron. So, uh, it actually was first originally discovered on November eighth, and it was collected from a um, sample in Botswana, but actually analyzed. Um, uh, in South Africa. So it was started, found on the 8th in South Africa. It was found on the 9th in Botswana. There were other samples that were uh, found uh, on the 10th as well. Um, it actually is really, really, really different. And this is what has really terrified uh, people all over the world. So we're recording this on December 8th. So when anybody hears this and it drops on the 16th, just be aware that there hopefully will be a lot more information than I'm going to be sharing with you today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's already, um, as of the 5th, it was in 46 countries. That was uh, three days ago. I actually counted this morning. It's up to 60 and in 15 states in the United States. It is a really different um, virus. And this gives you a sense. There's some really great sites. And I'll send you your um, uh, link that you can put up on your site uh, that you can monitor it. So what you see in this particular uh, diagram is actually at the very top is Delta, which is actually consume the world. But you can see already that the bottom circle is actually Omicron and it is starting to replicate. And this is genetic samples that have been dropped in to a website called Next Strain, which is a website that scientists from all over the world drop in their genetic samples. And you can actually see it change almost in real time daily. It's pretty, and, and you can get a sense of the spread. And when Delta took over, everything else disappeared. And all you saw was this incredible um, increase in Delta. Um, so the, the thing that's actually terrifying about this is the mutations that are on the spike protein, which I know you've heard ad nauseum. There are 32 um, mutations. Uh, and this is a problem because this is where our antibodies uh, essentially um, are going to be effective or not. This is what the vaccines are targeted is for the spike protein. This is what the antivirals are. Uh, just to give you a sense, Delta only had nine. Uh, and, that, and people thought that was gigantic. So this uh, has 32 at the spike protein and a bunch of other mutations. There are two theories about how this uh, particular virus came to be. One is that it, uh, it could have come from a person who is um, uh, immunosuppressed. So in South Africa in particular, and in uh, in, many of the African countries, they have a large population of HIV. And so those individuals are very often immunosuppressed, either through medications or through the disease itself. If a disease gets into somebody with an immunosuppressed condition, which could be cancer, or it could be a variety of other things, organ transplants, what happens is that the body has a very difficult time clearing the infection. And so you start to get better and then you have a relapse and you start to get better and you have a relapse. And that's because that virus is constantly changing and mutating inside of you because it's trying to survive and it gets beat down, but not all the way. And so then what happens is that that mutation, and this has been documented in hospitalized patients with immunosuppressed conditions, is that it can just continue to make these incredible changes. And so that's one theory. The second theory is it could have popped into an animal, had a variety of changes and come back to a human. Ooh. And that's being studied in, in uh, South Africa. So it, it's not so important as to how it actually happened, but, but it's, um, that's the two theories that are currently um, you know, at play, if you will. Uh, and this just gives you a, this is a, this is a uh, interesting image. It shows you on the far 
left are the top looking down at the spike protein. And on the middle section are the mutations to Delta, where you see the blue, white, and pink dots. So this is the two different views looking down at, at Delta. On the far right, the two views you're seeing is um, Omicron. And all of those colors are showing you all of the different mutations on the spike. And for anyone who's just listening on Voice America, believe me, the uh, pictorial is drastically different. Right. And that's why I think it's actually helpful to see it. Um, Because we can see, uh, you you can hear about the changes on the protein. It's like, well, so what? But then when you see it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's it's a lot. Yeah. It's from from black and white to multicolors. Right. All of them, you know. Right. Right. So uh, last night... Uh, The first study out of South Africa uh, was released about the effectiveness of vaccines. So as you know, uh, the vaccine effectiveness issue is a big concern. And so the Pfizer vaccine was uh, tested. Now, let me explain how that works. So what happens in a virus, in a viral lab, they create what's called a pseudovirus. So they actually take the um, Omicron um, model, if you will, they take the spike protein of, of the virus and they place it on another virus so they can actually experiment with it. And that's called a pseudovirus. And then what they do is in a Petri dish, essentially, they apply uh, what are called um, uh, antibodies. And that's from blood samples. And they were using blood samples of individuals who had been double vaccinated. So two shots of Pfizer. And what they discovered in the research that was released last night, you're going to see here about a lot today, there is a 40-fold reduction in effectiveness of the vaccine of a two-dose series. So and what so, does 40, 40-fold mean? That's Did, a really it, great question. Does that equate to 40%? It's around that. But it's actually not exactly. And I can't tell you because I don't, the only way you can determine 40 fold is you have to know exactly what numbers they're reporting. And the article mm-hmm. that's currently out there doesn't have it. Okay. You'll probably hear that today. But I would say it's around 40, 40% more than likely. Um, you know, it roughly would be a way to hold it in your mind. But what it means is it's a lot. Uh, and that's going to be a problem potentially, but we don't, they haven't tested yet blood that had been boosted. Um, and we'll talk about boosters in a bit. And I just want to remind people, I know we're at the end of this particular section, but there's five ways that you evaluate a variant. And I know everybody's become a, a epidemiologist, so you probably all know this by heart, but first of all is transmissibility, which I mean is how quickly it's able to move from person to person, right? How much more transmissible is it? And um, Delta was a huge step forward compared to the original virus. Um, Omicron is is expected to be around three times more infectious than Delta is what I have heard from my epidemiology colleagues. The second thing you actually assess is illness severity, how sick it makes people. The third is vaccine effectiveness. The fourth is, does it impact therapeutics in antivirals? And then lastly, does it change testing? So can you still have PCR tests done and do they work? And the answer for, we all, all for the only ones we can really, really answer right now today is really the testing effectiveness. Everything else is in flux, but in testing effectiveness, the PCR tests do work. And there's a tiny bit of good news about this. Usually PCR tests will not tell you what the variant is. It just tells you it's a, it's a, a coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2. Um, the the uh, Omicron strain has a unique marker in it uh, that's, you know, it's its own marker. But essentially, it when, you, when there are certain tests done on a PCR test, there are channels that pop up and they light up on the machine. Omicron is, uh, only lights up two channels instead of three. So if you see that right away in the lab, they can go, oh, so they can pull that sample immediately and do genetic sequencing on that. And they're determining, yes, indeed, those are Omicron. So it's like a quick test, not to know 100%, but pretty close that the sample that they just assessed in the lab is actually Omicron. 
quick question. The, do we know if the illness um, is the same as it is for Delta or um, the original COVID, you know, flu-like symptoms? Are there, are there, there different there are some- aspects to this? That's a really great question. Um, uh, the current reports out of South Africa is that the symptoms are very similar. However, they are not seeing uh, loss of taste and smell. But again, remember, this is a small sample size, but that's what's being currently reported on the ground in South Africa. So lots of cold-like symptoms, but not the lack of taste and smell. So maybe that might have fallen out in all of these mutations. We'll have to see. And we don't know if, um, I, I know it's more transmissible, et cetera, but do we know at this point if it's more deadly? We don't. That's a really great question. Thank you for asking. So currently right now in Africa, um, what's being really reported is the following information about uh, severity of illness. They are seeing an increase in hospitalizations. They are, haven't seen really an increase in death yet, deaths yet because it's too early. But what they're seeing is that there is less severe illness. So you can extrapolate, perhaps, that we might have less severe illness in other parts of the world. However, I would caution any of your listeners to really think about that because it really is reflective of the country that it's in. Uh, Africa, the continent, is a very young continent, um, primarily because they've had so many issues with HIV as an example. So they've had huge uh, numbers of deaths. They don't have a large older population. Uh, of course, and of course there's been other issues of wars and uh, famines. And so they have a really young population for our continent, you know, and you know, it comes to the United States, for example, or Canada, we have a lot more older people. And here in the United States, we have a ton of comorbidities. And one of the big issues that uh, SARS-CoV-2 really seems to like are people that are obese, high blood pressure, cardiac disease, and diabetes. And we have tons of that here in the United States. So when it lands here and begins to spread, the question will be, what's, what's going to look like here? But I will say to you that in Africa, they're also seeing younger people, I'm talking kids, actually being affected by Omicron far more than the other variants we've seen today. Really just because... We, it's too early just because we're not seeing the, the death rates change. People right. shouldn't all of a sudden think, oh, well, then I shouldn't worry about this. It's correct. It, it, it's, it, it, it's not worse. It's just the same. So I'm, I'm going to ignore, you know, whatever they say about it. Right. People shouldn't do exactly. that. It's exactly. Because it's, it's really, I mean, if you look at the date of its discovery, the first case was actually sampled on November 8th. Well, that's actually 30 days ago. And so yeah. we don't, <clears throat> I mean, this is going to take time to evolve. And I, and I know that makes people really unhappy, but science and diseases don't, you don't know everything as we should well know by now, it takes a long time to figure this out. So in the next 30, 60, 90 days, we'll have a lot more information, but yeah, it we don't really know much. Yeah. Yeah. It's still too early and still too fingers, early. fingers crossed. It doesn't go down, you know, a, a bad road, but you know, it's still too early. We're, we're not even at that point yet. Um, but I will say um, it, it's not not great to hear that uh, my birthday is the day that I'll, I'll <laughs> identified. It's like, oh, darn. <laughs> well, see, now I'm never going to forget your birthday, November 8th. Because <laughs> exactly, there you go. <laughs> you and Omicron were discovered on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking with Regina Phelps today, and we will be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you ready to hear from investors and get insight on different asset classes? Join host Troy Eckert for the program, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Troy works with high net worth investors 
and is ready to bring you the secrets he's learned in his 35 years of alternative investment experience, along with his guest experts. If you want value, you'll need to listen in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Regina Phelps, and we're talking about Omicron, COVID, uh, and now we're going to talk about boosters. Yes, let's talk about boosters. boosters. Well, you know, um, I think the thing about boosters that's really important to reflect on here for a moment is that, yes, indeed, I know that it's a luxury to not only be able to get a coronavirus vaccine, because there's many places in the world where you still can't get your hands on one, and it may seem like a huge luxury to get a booster. So I want to talk just for a moment about that. And in particular, that's going to be incredibly important based on the initial studies, as we just discussed, with the Omicron variant and the effectiveness dive that seems to be happening. More information to come, of course, on both um, the MRI vaccines, but others as well. So let me just share my screen with you yet again. And I want to just talk a little bit about boosters. Um, And this is the thing I really want people to stop and think about. Um, Is this really a boost, a boost, or is it really part of a prime series? So, for example, there are two vaccines uh, that you might have wandered into in your life or heard of other people getting. One is on hepatitis B and the other is HPV vaccine. Those are a three series vaccine. Uh, And there are other vaccines, depending on your immune condition, where you would easily get three, like uh, pneumococcal, which is pneumonia vaccines, uh, shingles in some people. So what there is a big theory about is that this could actually not be a boost, but in reality, it could be part of the prime series. Let me explain that in a minute. Um, So the COVID vaccine was developed in a series of trials, as we all know, and they only they only trialed, tried one dosing schedule and one time regiment. So they came up with what they believed the dose would be, and they only tried it with two doses, three or four weeks apart. And I'm speaking about the mRNA vaccines. Mm-hmm. So that was all that was trialed. Now, why didn't we do a zillion other trials, which is what they would normally do? They would try different dosing. They would try three instead of two. They would have done all of that. Why didn't we do that? Because we were in a global pandemic and people were dying all over the world. And the idea was, okay, we know this works and we're going to get it out. So in reality, if we would have had the, the, the you know, five or 10 years is what, how long vaccines normally take, then we, they would have tried all of that. But they didn't for all the obvious reasons. So we may actually have a three dose vaccine, but we don't know that yet. And so (laughs) we'll know more uh, once those boosters really get into people's arms and we see how the performance is. So we don't really know what the term fully vaccinated means yet. 
Correct. And in fact, in this here in the United States, and I imagine in Canada very soon, what fully vaccinated is going to mean is the CDC is going to change that to not be two doses, but three. Mm. Okay. So um, uh, what I'm showing on the slide, and again, your folks um, uh, will be able to see it on YouTube. Um, and uh, well, I'll reference this as well. This is a schedule that uh, is the current CDC recommendations. And I know that you have people that listen to you from all over the world, but this just gives folks a chance to take a look at this. And so it talks about the different dosing of Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J, which is our, the approved vaccines here in the United States, and when you can get boosted. So essentially right now it's six months after your final second dose of the MNRA vaccines, that's Pfizer and Moderna, you can get boosted. And for J&J, it's two months. And very much uh, in the studies, J&J is really looking like it is a two-dose vaccine, but it was only, but again, they only tested one. And so it's very likely going to be that. Now, I wanted to share with you, and this is a, a slide that has a lot going on, and I'm going to, yeah, of course, provide you with the PDF of this article, but also the um, um, the link so you can find it to your listeners. And this is a study that was released last week. And it's important because they look at all uh, the big vaccines around the world. So they're looking at AstraZeneca, Novavax, which I believe you both have in Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. They're doing Pfizer. They're doing Moderna. They did a, a Johnson & Johnson. They did a variety of other uh, vaccines. And they basically looked at uh, the issue of safety and immunogenicity, which is, you know, the protectiveness of the vaccine over a three dose or two dose series. And so this is a really important study. And it really does demonstrate that there's a big bump in, um, in your effectiveness with this third or second dose if you're a J&J &J person. Which gets to the question of mix and match. Now, I don't know in Canada whether they're allowing this heterologous uh, dosing, which is what that call is called, where which means you're mixing drugs. Here in the United States, they've allowed this mixing of these medications, and that's what that Lancet study actually digs into. Can you mix one with the other, and what happens if you do? So here in the United States, and it was demonstrated in the Lancet study, that if you started with a J&J &J vaccine and you get an mRNA vaccine, you get a gigantic boost in antibodies. If you had a uh, Pfizer vaccine, two doses, and then you boost it with a Moderna, you get a, a big uptick as well. And the difference between mixing the two mRNA vaccines is only a slightly difference in effectiveness in the boost. But for a J&J, &J, it's a gigantic uh, increase to get an mRNA vaccine. And so the paper that I'll share with your listeners talks about all the different vaccines and what the boosts actually do. So what I, you, people might say, well, gosh, well, I got Pfizer. Should I get Moderna? Or I got Moderna. Should I get Pfizer? Um, I would say to you is that you should get whatever vaccine they have. Yeah. Uh, and not to debate like, oh, I want the other one. Because the difference is only a few percentage points. If you had Pfizer and you get a Moderna, you get like a 3% greater increase in antibodies. Is that a big deal? It's not gigantic, yeah. but there is a difference. Uh, they, and do allow, they do allow the mix and, mix and match here in Canada. Oh, Canada? Okay. And, and it's exactly as you said, take what's available. That's right. exactly what they said. Mm -hmm. So that's the... The thing I would say about everybody with boosters is you need to get boosted because as I said at the very beginning of our talk here is it could be really a three prime series mm -hmm. and we'll really know that over time, but because of the infectiousness of the uh, Omicron variant, um, it's really important that people get boosted because we all know already from all of the studies that there is waning immunity. What does that mean? That you actually, uh, as the months go by from your second dose, you are decreasing in your effectiveness to fight off the disease. Would you still uh, likely have a, a lack of serious illness or death? Yes but your chances of getting infected are again, increasing as the immunity wanes. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not eligible yet for uh, uh, my booster shot because it's six months after mm -hmm. our last, uh, your second shot. Mm -hmm. So I still have another month to just over another month to go yet before I'm eligible, but they currently in Ontario, anyway, it's anybody 50 and above who fits that criteria. 
though I'm already hearing uh, that they're talking about lowering, starting to lower that already. So right. that I, I've got a feeling it's going to be a, a mad dash. Like everyone right. is eligible as long as your six months has gone by. Just sign up. Right. Right. And I think that's I mean, that's initially what happened in the United States is that there was quite a bit of, you know, um, tearing, if you will, about who was eligible. And then uh, I think within the last two weeks, they've said, OK, if you're if you're uh, it's been more than six months or two months for the J&J, anybody can line up. Yeah. Yeah. So I know those talks are happening. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the holidays, how they change and you know what the status is the next time we talk. Right. Right. So let's take the rest of our show. We're going to talk about vaccines and children. Mm. Yes. Uh, Super important. Really important because there's, I even, I don't have kids of my own, but I have seen so much misinformation Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. regards to this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I look at the whole issue of vaccines and children, and it is, as you just said, filled with misinformation. So uh, here in the United States, um, we now have vaccines all the way down to the age of five. Uh, so the Pfizer vaccine in the U.S. has been approved between 5 and 11. And of course, we do have the vaccines between 12 and 18 uh, for adolescents and, and uh, young adults. So this is a really important issue. And again, it gets back to uh, why would I vaccinate my kid, right? Because uh, after all, there is this belief that kids don't get COVID. Well, first of all, that's not true. And I'm again to show my slides, if I may. Um, <clears throat> and let me just sort of dig into this piece a little bit. So, and I'm going to go kind of quick here for a second. So, um, COVID and uh, children. So, in the United States, and, I, 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 and the reason I'm referencing only U.S. numbers is that it's those are the ones that's the easiest for me to find. This, of course, is a global issue for kids. Uh, Currently, right now, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics says since the beginning of COVID, uh, 17% of all COVID cases are kids. So it's not nobody. It's there's a lot of them. But um, just in the last uh, month, it's now they're making up 25% of the cases. It's the sixth leading cause of death for children in the U.S. under the age of 12 is COVID. So this is not like it doesn't affect kids. And I, you know, during the Trump administration, they said over and over and over again, kids didn't get it and it wasn't a problem. And that is not true. But that still hangs in people's minds. It's the sixth leading cause of death uh, for kids under the age of 12. Uh, And I just want to point this out. And when you think about that, well, you think, well, what about adults? Uh, COVID is the second leading cause of death in the U.S., with heart disease being number one, this is for all ages. Wow. It's beat out cancer. It's beat out accidents. It's beat out strokes. Um, this is a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a big deal, right? So it's affecting tons of people. I'm going to skip through that. So I just want to talk about what they've seen uh, since uh, the Delta variant arrived in the United States is we've seen a tenfold increase, 10 times uh, hospitalizations in kids zero to four. Uh, and that's a big deal. And so I think that's an important thing that people need to think about. And as far as deaths here in the U.S., I don't know about in Canada, it's reported by age and sex. So between zero to four, um, <clears throat> since the pandemic began, there's 105 young children that have died that are female and 119 that are male. You'll notice that the numbers are higher for boys. And from five to 18, it's 225 females and 292 boys. Uh, And that's as of December 1st. So men, boys seem to be more affected. And that's also for adults as well than uh, uh, women uh, as far as deaths. Uh, Long COVID and other things are more women. Do we know why? No, we don't. Okay. But. I think we could probably guess a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I would be certainly guessing. I do want to say that if people uh, have children, young, young, young children, babies under the age of one, um, they are really at severe risk for COVID because they have a very um, uh, immature immune system and they also have tiny airways. And so they're more inclined to have breathing problems. And so newborns can get uh, infected with COVID 
during childbirth, but they can also be exposed to caregivers. And infants have a much higher viral load. There was a study that came out two weeks ago showing that babies had a, when they got sick, they got a huge viral load and they had a very hard time clearing it. Uh, and, but there's a good piece of news that if the mother is vaccinated and breastfeeding, they can actually transfer their antibodies to their baby. And so for a woman to be pregnant uh, and lactating, uh, so when they're pregnant, they're going to transfer some antibodies to the baby simply because of the pregnancy and the blood exchange between the fetus and the mother. If they're lactating, then they're going to be able to get antibodies to the baby. So that's the only protection this young person's going to get is from their mom. Uh, and this is really important. There was a big study that came out about the number of babies dying. Uh, this was a, a study out of South America that it was a huge cause of death um, when there were big surges in South America. Hmm. Uh, yeah, right. So let's talk about um, myocarditis. This is one, something that everybody talks about when they talk about childhood vaccines. Myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart and it can have a variety of symptoms. Uh, it's not uncommon after many vaccines that you will have an inflammation of the heart. It affects boys more than girls. But myocarditis is a, also a complication of getting COVID. And many uh, parents will say, I've heard about studies where kids were vaccinated and they got myocarditis and I don't want to vaccinate my kid because I don't want them to get myocarditis. The number one risk factor of getting myocarditis is being a boy, not a girl. <laughs> it is a risk factor for boys, not girls. Um, myocarditis is a, again, a side effect, if you will, or a illness that can cause from a COVID infection. Uniformly, it's much more severe to get uh, myocarditis from actually getting COVID than it is a vaccine. Myocarditis in most children, and it's been adolescents, not young kids, and adolescents, this has been a major issue uh, that um, kids will have some chest pain. They'll have uh, some, some discomfort in their chest. And essentially, you treat it with Tylenol, um, um, other uh, pain relief drugs like that in particular, and then uh, rest, and it goes away within about a week. Uh, but this is one of the things that many parents will point to. is like, oh, I, I won't do this because I don't want my kid to get myocarditis. Um, and again, there hasn't been a lot of them related to uh, one to three cases of myocarditis per 100,000 uh, occur in kids regardless. Uh, it's very common for many viral infections to cause myocarditis, not just SARS-CoV-2. So other types of viral infections can cause myocarditis. Um, there have been no reports of myocarditis at all in vaccinated children under the age of 12. It's an adolescent issue and primarily affecting boys. So mm -hmm. I, I just want to really emphasize that because that's a huge thing I hear from parents a lot. Another disease that is caused from COVID is something that you might have heard of called multi-system inflammatory syndrome or MIST-C. It is a rare, thankfully, but super serious illness that's from COVID. It inflames the entire body, essentially. So we're talking about your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, your digestive system, your eyes, your brain. And it starts two to six weeks after an infection. The infection is often quite mild, maybe even asymptomatic. It is a big killer of kids. Um, there were 5,973 cases as of the end of um, November here in the United States and 52 deaths. Uh, and the average was nine years old. And these are kids that all of a sudden start to feel really awful. And then literally they progress rapidly uh, and they end up in an ICU. They end up on a ventilator almost always. It just ravages them. And the ones that survive are really severely compromised and it's a big deal. So it's well, not what, a lot of What do you mean by severely compromised? What? You know, they have, well, again, this hasn't been you know, for the last two years, right? Of observing this is that they have really uh, long-term health issues, their lungs, their heart, um, their, um, it's like long COVID in many ways where they are, but they're so severely impacted 
that they'll, they will not have a normal life. And that's, again, a big issue. It's rare, but again, 6,000 cases uh, here in the U.S. These are all the symptoms. And again, uh, for those of you that are listening by radio, uh, it, this happens, you know, where all of a sudden they have fever, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, you can't wake them up. They're very confused. Their color goes, I mean, they just literally collapse their whole uh, respiratory system, their cardiovascular system. Uh, and they're very close to death unless they're treated rapidly. It's really pretty horrifying. And then there's long COVID. I mean, another reason, why do you want to vaccinate your kid? You don't want them to get long COVID. Um, and again, this is a problem. Uh, in a study out of the UK, 78% of the kids that actually had COVID uh, um, had, had contracted COVID 12 weeks later, still were facing all of these long COVID symptoms of fatigue, headache, trouble sleeping, brain fog, joint pain, um, 12 weeks later. And those are, again, we'll, we'll know more over time, but it's a problem of 78% of the kids that get COVID actually develop long COVID. It's a little higher in adults, about 10%. So it's a big issue. So those are the reasons we want you to vaccinate your kids. You don't want them to get myocarditis. You don't want them from a disease. You don't want them to get Miss C and you don't want them to get long COVID. Uh, so that's a big deal. And I just want to remind your listeners, and we've talked about this before, is that uh, COVID is a respiratory illness and it attaches at every ACE2 receptor. So it's a respiratory illness, but it affects almost every organ of your body. And that's where long COVID really comes to play. It affects your lungs, your heart, your blood vessels, your brain, your kidneys, your stomach, your intestines. Uh, the list goes on and on. So it's not that it only affects your lungs. It's not the flu. And that's really an important thing to think about with your kids and vaccinating them. So I think that that's really critical. So uh, I, think um, that, I think that's interesting. You said it's not the flu because a lot of times when kids go to school, parents already have it in their mindset. Oh, my kid gets quote the flu or a cold every two weeks and brings it home. Right. But we've got to be vigilant because it could be more than that. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so what I just want to say, I know that we're getting close on time, is that around the world, there's a variety of vaccines that have been uh, approved for children. So in Canada, Israel and the United States are using Pfizer from five to 11. And that dose, just so parents know, is half the dose. I mean, it's a third of the dose, excuse me, they get 10 micrograms. If you're 12 and older, all the way up through your dose, you get 30 micrograms. So little kids are getting a third of the dose. You may say, well, is that effective? They have really robust immune systems and they're getting a third of the dose and they're getting a great uh, antibody response. So they didn't have to give them the full dose. They gave them a third. And there has been no side effects, no serious side effects. They have a sore arm. You know, they might feel a little tired the next day, but they have been in the United States. There has been no serious side effects for young children. Same in Israel. I don't know about Canada. Um, uh, in other countries, Cuba is doing their own homegrown vaccines, which apparently are very good. In Cambodia, they're using the China, uh, the Sinovac, which is a Chinese vaccine. And they've also launched Sinovac as trials in a variety of other countries. So more of that's getting pushed out. Um, and again, what I would just say as we close here uh, today is that the vaccine is the same vaccine that adults get, but a lower dose. There's been no serious side effects at all in children and Israel from five to 11. And what they get is a sore arm, uh, tired, fatigue, maybe a little bit of a fever. So when people say, I don't want to vaccinate my kids because I'm afraid of the side effects or I'm afraid what's going to happen. What I would say to you is that when you look at the dosing and you look at the current study, which now uh, here in the United States, I think 5 million kids have gotten this vaccine. There have been no side effects, <laughs> serious side effects. So look at the impact of uh, this disease on your child. Look at the impact of potentially of them getting things like long COVID, Miss C, uh, the impacts it has on their body overall, every ACE2 receptor. If you could actually prevent your kid from getting sick, wouldn't you do that to prevent any of these other issues? And again, I want to remind you here in the United States, it's the sixth leading cause of death for kids right now, yeah. today. That's staggering. Just, just, just to hear that. 
Um, we only have a minute left, so I'm, I'm just going to share those numbers that I said um, yeah. earlier that I would share about booster shots or kids and um, uh, needles. In Ontario here, um, for the first dose, first dose for five and above, it's we're at 85%. And for five and above, having received two doses, we're at 81%. I'm rounding the numbers up, by the way. Mm-hmm. And for 12 and above, it is uh, for one dose, it's 90, over 90%. And for two shots for 12 and above, it's uh, almost at 80, 88%. You guys so, are rock stars. You so, are rock stars. Um, it, it's interesting that those numbers are higher for kids than they are for adults. So mm-hmm. it, I would like to see a study on that eventually one day. Why, why the discrepancy? Mm-hmm. You know, our parents not wanting to get the needle themselves, but know that their kids should. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just say one thing I know we're almost out of time is that here in the United States, the vaccine profile of a kid is replicating in the vaccine profile of a parent. So if the parent is a big vaccine person, that kid's vaccinated. If the person, uh, the adult's not vaccinated in that home, the kid's not vaccinated. And unfortunately for us in the U.S., that's a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have come to the end of our show, Uh, Regina. um, Thanks so much for sharing this information, especially about the kids. I really hope uh, parents out there um, or people that are questioning or have the wrong information really pay attention to some of this. We, You are going to provide me some of those links, and I'm going to put them in the description uh, of the episode on YouTube and Voice America. So please uh, check those out, everybody, if you want to see the source. It's not just someone, you know, we're, we're not just talking about it. We've got the uh, real science uh, and reports behind it. So Please check those out. Um, And since this is the last show, Regina, I wish you happy holidays and a happy new year. I hope you, friends and families and colleagues, everyone has a great, safe and happy time. Same for you, Alex. And uh, again, hopefully uh, when I see you in January, we'll have other things more positive to talk about. I hope so. (laughs) It's going to happen eventually. (laughs) Eventually it will, yes. So thanks, Regina. Take care, stay safe. And everybody listening and watching, Stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.